Let me tell you what happened. Recently, my wife, Laura, and I were coming back from Tennessee, and we decided not to come back on the interstate. <clears throat> we decided to come back the back way. You can go back two different interstates. We didn't want to do that. And so we drove down the back way. We went through Scottsboro, where I used to go as a kid to the lake, and then Laura went to Gunnersville at the lake in Alabama, and so we decided to go that way. And as we're driving along, I'm the driver. Laura has, we have a thing in our car. We have a GPS, but we have a thing in our car called the Road Atlas, because I'm a road warrior, right? Yeah, we got the big book, and Laura is the navigator, okay? I just want to point that out before I go further in the story. So we're going along on 72, and it says we got to go to Birmingham. But the problem is that as we're going down to Birmingham, <clears throat> the road, it, it actually turns and goes around to Huntsville. And so I'm looking at the sign on the road, and it says Huntsville, this, this many miles. And so I know now we're traveling west instead of south, and we're not going. You don't go through Huntsville to go that way. You go down to Birmingham. And so I said to Laura, Laura, we're not going the right way. We're, we're on this road, but we're going to Huntsville. That's out of the way. Get out the handy-dandy map, and let's look at it. And she did, and she studied it for a minute, and she said, we missed a turn. We missed a turn. And I just looked at her, and I didn't say anything. But, but if I had spoken, it would have been, and whose fault is that? But I didn't say that. And so then she, she got us recalculated, recalculating. And so we started again, and we, we drove over the river and through the woods. It was pretty. It was a nice drive. It was out in the country. It was not right, the most direct route, but we finally did get back on the road. We went on into Birmingham. We got there that way. Now, here's the point. If you're going in a, toward, in a direction and you're going toward a destination, you, you got to go in the right direction to get there. If you're going in the wrong direction, you won't make it to your destination. Now, that sounds simple, but how many times do we get lost? And it's easy to get lost when you're driving, but, but, you know, you can get lost in life as well. Laura, my wife, I have permission to tell, she was at Springfield Elementary School on the other side of town, Panama City. They asked her to drive to Cedar Grove Elementary School to a little workshop. It's less than two miles from Springfield to Cedar Grove. She used the GPS. I'm not kidding. They told her how to get there, and she made it. I feel better. She drove all the way from Springfield down, she went down the road and turned left, and there it is. That's what you do. And when she got through, she headed back to Springfield after the workshop was over. The only problem was she got lost going back. I'm not making it because she has no sense of direction. She literally called the school and said, I, I'm lost. I don't know how to get back. They said, you just drove down there. You've got a GPS in your car. You could have walked. It's so close. How did you get lost? She said, well, I, I just have, I struggle. I don't have a good sense of direction. So I want to talk about lostness today, okay? And I have some thoughts for you. Four things about the art of lostness. The first one is this. Number one, we don't get lost on purpose. We don't get lost on purpose. Why would we get lost on purpose? I mean, if we knew that we were lost, we wouldn't be lost, would we? And so that just happens. We, we don't realize. And the second one is this. We are lost before we realize that we're lost, right? Hey, I don't know where I am. I'm lost, which is what you think I say every morning, right? I, I, no matter where I go, I don't know where I am, right? I didn't know where I was this morning, obviously. I couldn't get the microphone to work, right? So that's the challenge, isn't it? The third thing is men go faster when we're lost, and there's no explanation for this whatsoever. 
I guess we're trying to get back to where we're not lost anymore and we're panicking. And then four, we wind up where the road we're on ends up. <laughs> In other words, if we don't know, if we don't have a map, if we don't have a GPS, we just stay on that road and eventually it takes us somewhere and we go, oh, this is not where I wanted to be, so I need to make a different plan. Now, last week we said that we can get lost in, in our direction and in, in, uh, in what we're doing and driving, but we can also get lost in the way that we're living. Highways and roads have a plan and, and a direction and, and a purpose, but you know, sometimes in the arena of life, we get in the wrong direction. And so we're talking today about the beginner's guide for predicting your future. And we said last week that all of us think we can predict the future. How many can predict the future? How many think you can? Well, why do you say, I should have seen this coming? You say that to yourself, I, I should have seen this coming. Really? Well, how do you know that you should have seen? Or what do we say to other people? You should have seen this coming, right? We say that. We think they can predict the future, but not necessarily so. Thanks to technology, right, and the road atlas and lots of prayer and help, eventually we can get to where we need to be and not have to be lost. So last week we talked about the principle of the path, and that is direction determines destination. And this is true not just geographically, but financially, professionally, relationally, morally, spiritually, in marriage and parenting and academics. In every area of life, direction determines destination. So if I were to ask you, do you have a plan for your finances for the next five to 10 years? You know, we all have plans, right? And so you say, well, yeah, this is what I want to do. I intend to make this much money and I'm going to pay off these bills. and I'm going to save this money and do this and that. What about your profession? What's your five-year plan? Well, you know, I'd like to be making this much money by this time, and by the time this happens, I'd like for this to take place, and maybe someday I'd like to own my own business, and, and whatever that might be, and so you have plans for that. If I were to ask you about any of those things, you would have a plan, right? And here's the deal. We all intend to go somewhere, right? We said last week, if we intend to go somewhere, let's go there on purpose. Let's just don't end up somewhere because it might not be the right place. But let's, let's not just count that we can intend to get to the right place. We've got to go in the right direction to get there. Sometimes there's a disconnect between intention and direction, right? Well, I intended to do that. I intended to go there. I intended to make that call. I just didn't do it, and somehow it didn't ever happen. And so we don't have to be the victim of a disconnect between those two things. Direction is more important than intention. So really, our intentions don't matter a whole lot if we don't follow through on them. Now, last week, we talked about Solomon. We said that Solomon was very wise. In fact, he was the wisest man who ever lived. He, he was also the wealthiest. God came to him and said, what would you like? He said, I want wisdom. And God said, that's interesting. That's powerful. He said, you know, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for power and riches. You just asked for wisdom. So because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you power and resources. I'm going to bless you abundantly. And so Solomon, he wrote, and, and you read his words in the Bible, and what he wrote is so wise. And people came from far and near to hear from him and find out about his wisdom. And they were like, wow, you really are smarter than everybody else. I had no idea. But here's the deal. God warned Solomon. 
He said, now, don't just get involved with a lot of foreign women. Don't marry a lot of foreign women, because if you do that, they'll have foreign gods, and they'll distract you from me, the one true God. And Solomon, early in his writings, he said he was so wise, he said everything is very beneficial. But later on in life, he didn't take his own advice. And he didn't end up at the right place. He ended up going the wrong way because he began to be influenced by these wives who had false gods. And the reason he married them, a lot of them, was so that he would have a kind of a, 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 a peace treaty with the countries around him. He had peace all the way around him. And so if he married somebody from over here, then their dad's not going to attack because he didn't want to do anything to hurt his daughter, right? And so he would do that. He had all these wives. But it ultimately, he ended up going in the wrong direction. But what we're going to talk about today was when he was giving us good advice, okay? And he's talking about this. He's telling a parable in the book of Proverbs. And he's got two characters in there. There's a naive young man and there's the seductive married woman. And so we see that, that even though this young man, he's got a purpose and a direction, he ends up being diverted, and he ends up going in the wrong direction. He has good intentions, but he doesn't follow through on those intentions. And Solomon is teaching this to men, and here's what he says. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Now, how do you get no sense? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? You don't, you need time and experience to get some sense. Really, really, that really happens that way. And time and experience will help you make some, you'll learn some things. You'll make some better decisions because of it. That's why our parents got smarter as we got older. When we were teenagers and we were 16, our parents didn't know anything. They were brain dead, okay? But just a few years later, when we were young adults, all of a sudden they've gotten so smart. They learned so much in that short amount of time. Why is that? Because as we got older, they got smarter. We realized, hey, there's a reason they told us to do this and not to do this. And so there's a benefit from that. And so we can take advantage of it. He goes on, and the scripture says, He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, <clears throat> as the day was fading, as the dark of the night set in. Then, it says, Out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with a crafty intent, she took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face, she said. Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. What in the world does that mean? Doesn't make a, make a bit of sense, does it? She's indicating that she's not a bad person, that she's gone to the temple, that she's gone through the routine, that she has made a sacrifice, that she has emptied her sin bucket, and she's ready to fill it back up again. That's basically <laughs> what she's saying, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you what the woman's saying, okay? And then it goes on and it says, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. And this young, naive guy is thinking to himself, I am so special. And the narrator is thinking, you are an idiot. That's what's going on there. And this young guy, he's thinking to himself, I am one in a million. And the narrator is thinking, no, you're one of a million. You just don't know it. 
And he goes on in scripture and says, I have covered my bed with colored linens from the Egypt. Now I want to pause right there. Have you seen the commercial on television where the guy is selling you the sheets and he's saying from Gaza, from the Middle East, it's just this one little region where we have these, these sheets that are amazing. That's what he's talking about. Who knew it was in the Bible? And so apparently you have to shop in Egypt to get your sheets. I don't know. But fortunately now things are online unless they're all backed up on Amazon. And then they're off the coast of California somewhere, okay? So, so that's what it says. He starts out with that, that, that statement. And then she says, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Now, I want you to understand something about that culture that's very different from the culture that we live in today. In that time, in ancient times, in the culture, everything stunk. Everything smelled really bad. It really did. You know, and when, have you ever been somewhere that before you got there, you smelled it before you came, and you're thinking, I'm going to the wrong direction. I need to change directions. There are places like that in Israel. If you go to the old city of Israel, it's divided up into four quadrants. Some of the quadrants are spick and span. They are so clean, they're just spotless. And everything is very, very good. Everything there is productive and healthy. Business is good. And then you go to other quadrants, and it's just a dump. I mean, it stinks because they just throw their trash out, and there's cats everywhere because there are rats everywhere because they throw their, their trash out. And there's just like you go through the market, and it's a real narrow little place, and there's like this big slab of meat hanging out there in the market. And this is in July. And let me tell you, July in Jerusalem is like Panama City Beach in, you know, in July. You don't want to be there. You don't want to put your meat out there hanging out. And it's got flies all over it. And I don't care if you're starving. What you're smelling and what you're seeing are saying, huh, I'm not eating this. This is a weight loss clinic. I won't eat till I get back to America. <laughs> I don't trust this stuff at all. And so you're walking through and the guide tells you, now don't stop and talk to anybody. You're walking through there. And as you go single file, you got all your money. There's pickpockets. You got all your money in your special little secret compartments that you have. And you're protected. Don't stop. Don't look either way. And they're saying anything to get your attention, to distract you. Come to me. Come here. Come here. Rich Americans, we cheat you right. That's what they say. They'll say anything to, to get you to look, right? And they're trying to get you to buy stuff. Well, it just smells horrible in that place. Well, this is what they're talking about. And so here's what she's saying. You know, in this horrible world, you can get away from all that. You can come and be with me, and, and it's going to be wonderful because you're going to feel good. You're going to smell good. It's going to be perfect. You know, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I go to Publix every morning to buy this thing called a newspaper. It has, it has print on it. You open it up and read it like this. Some of you are not familiar with this, but, but I do, and I do it. I read the Bible. I pray. I talk to Jesus first, then I read the newspaper. Okay, so I'm in there one morning to get my newspapers early, and I'm standing in front of the newspaper counter thing, and there's two of them I get, and I, I'm reaching to get them. I don't realize it. There, there's this woman beside me. I didn't notice her, but I wasn't paying attention. And she works for Coca-Cola. I know because she's dressed, and it says Coca-Cola all over her uniform later. And she's putting Coca-Colas in this cooler thing right there by the register, right? And as she's putting those things in there, and I'm getting my newspaper, she looks at me, and I looked at her, and she says, 
you smell really good. Yeah. So you might want to get close to me after this service. And, and I said, well, it beats the alternative, I guess, don't you? And she laughed. And, and I, I, I thought to myself, well, I ought to smell good because, I mean, I wear what every preacher should wear, right? What do I wear? Eternity. Hello? <laughs> Duh. John Harris came up to me after the first service, and he said, that's my problem. I've been wearing obsession. I need to change. <laughs> But you notice those things. You notice how people smell, good and bad, don't you? Well, she noticed. Okay, then it goes on, and, and this is what she says, okay? And she reads his mind, okay, which is not difficult with this guy, okay? And here's what she says. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home until the full moon. In other words, we've got time. It's okay. Come on. So here's the message. There's no consequences as long as we don't get caught. We can go do this. We'll be fine. Nothing will be wrong. It'll be fine. And, you know, you can take a wrong turn in life, and you think there's no consequence. I'll just get back on the right path, and that's your intent. You want to go to your destination. But what happens if you get distracted? And what happens if you don't get back on the right direction? What happens is that you end up somewhere you didn't want to go, and now you're in trouble. So the scripture goes on, and it says, With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Solomon goes on. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now, that doesn't sound like a place you want to end up, does it? I mean, all, you just want to smell better and, and smell something that smells better, and you're going to die doing it. There's better ways to do that, right? And Solomon's parable is to these young men. He's talking to them, and here's what he says. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are mighty in throng. Okay? And so what starts out as a simple diversion ends up leading to somewhere you do not want to go. And then it goes on. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Now, even I can understand this, okay? It makes sense, and you're going, back up, dude. Go the other way. This is not some place you want to end up. And so there was a disconnect between intention and the, the, the destination, right? And so now you're in trouble. So there's some takeaways from this that I want to share. So I'm going to give you some homework. Look at the person next to you and say, do your homework. Go ahead and tell them right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to give you the homework. Okay, work with me here. Step number one, don't complain about your homework. Just listen and do your homework. All right. Step number one, go home this afternoon, find an empty box. That's the first thing you do. Find an empty box. Okay, get a picture of the box in your mind that's empty that you're going to use. Okay, second, open it up 
and collect all the fun that you've had in your life and put it in that box. Okay, you got it? Empty box, fun in there. Step number three, take all the money that you've wasted having fun in your life and put it in the box together, okay? So wasted fun, wasted money. And, you know, you can have fun without doing the wrong thing, but I'm talking about the wrong kind of fun and, and just waste the money, okay? And then four, step number four is I want you just to stare at it. Just look at it for a minute and, and let those memories flood your mind of all those experiences that you've had. Okay, now step number five, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Step number five is... I want you to think back to those times in your life when you were extremely generous. Those times in your life when you did something for someone else instead of yourself. Those times in your life where you felt convicted and you said to yourself, you know, I may go without, but here's a need and I, I'm just going to meet this need for this person. I'm willing to give up a meal. I'm willing to give up what I need to give up in order that they might have what they need. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go in that direction. You went over and helped a neighbor. You participated in a habitat house. You fed somebody who was hungry and you knew they needed help. Nobody had to tell you. You collected some clothes for somebody who had a fire and lost everything. You packed a backpack for some kids. You came down here after Hurricane Michael and you worked from early in the morning till late at night because you wanted to help people who had lost things and you just... You wanted to do something for them. And you went home and you were so tired and you slept so good. And you just went over all the ways that you were able to help people that day and, and how you were able to do something positive for somebody else. You said no to yourself and you said yes to somebody else. And then I want to ask you this question. Which one of those do you want more of? Which one of those memories do you want more of? Do you want to spend the rest of your life just thinking about all the things that you've wasted, all the things that you should have done differently? Or do you want to spend the rest of your life just cherishing the memories you have of doing the right thing and going in the right direction and, and helping somebody else and being sacrificial and doing something for someone else? Because here's my point. Fun is always in the rear view mirror. But satisfaction is a traveling companion. If you want satisfaction in life, if you want to be where you need to be in life, the greatest way to be satisfied is with the joy and the peace and the satisfaction of God. If you get to your ultimate destination, that's how to be satisfied. That's where I started out for. That's where I wanted to end up. You want to finish strong in life. You don't want to be diverted and distracted and going in the wrong direction away from God. You want to be focused and going the right way because there's going to come a distraction. There's going to come something that's going to get your attention. Something maybe that, that you even take that road thinking it's okay. You think it's all right. But eventually the consequences of it begin to become real and you realize, hey, I've got to change. I'm going in the wrong direction. I didn't realize it at first, but now that I do, I've got to move in a different direction because there's a difference in just fun and in satisfaction. 
Did you hear about the little dog who was running around chasing his tail? He was chasing his tail, and a big dog came along and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm chasing my tail because I've been to school, and I've learned that happiness is in my tail. And if I can catch it, I'll be happy. And the big dog said, well, you're partially right. I've been to school too. Happiness really is in your tail. But he said, you'll never catch it as long as you chase it around in a circle. He said, what you need to do is just go about your life doing what you're supposed to do, going in the direction that you're called, and happiness will always follow along behind you. And you know that's true. Even dogs can teach us, can't they? And we can learn from that benefit. You see, the intention and the destination are not always the same. Satisfaction is a result of ending up where you started off for, where you plan to go, your destination that you wanted to be. So maybe we need less fun and more joy and peace and satisfaction. Now, some of you may be moving in the wrong direction today. And as I've been talking to you, you've been laughing along as we talk about driving and going in the wrong way. But you know really in your life that you're going in the wrong direction. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today. And he's saying to you, you know what? You made a bad choice. You made a bad decision. It's been some time ago, but you're going in the wrong direction. You know where I've called you to go. You know what I want you to do, but you're not doing it. And God is saying, now listen, I want you to get headed in the right direction. You may need to make a U-turn today. You may need to, to get on your knees and, and ask the spiritual GPS, ask the Lord to help you to find the right way that you want to go. I hope that little exercise will help you move in that right direction. Because Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. It's not heavy because I'm pulling it. You can just pull along beside me. It'll be very easy for you and you'll get rest. He said, I want you to find rest. I want you to have satisfaction. It's not that he's trying to take something away. He's trying to add something better to our lives. The apostle Paul said it this way. Since following Jesus, I've learned the secret of being content in every specific circumstance. I've learned having satisfaction even when I don't have anything. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation like that where things were taken away? What about those people in the Ukraine? They've had to give up their homes and their cars. They've just had to relocate completely. I went home on the Sunday after Easter. I knew it was coming on. I wanted to see it. I got Laura to record it for me. And I watched Franklin Graham in the Ukraine. And he was preaching there. And Samaritan's Purse had been there since the war broke out. And then they brought in the Ukrainian Easter Choir. And these were people, the refugees. They just came together and they formed a beautiful choir. And they were so talented and so wonderful. This young woman was singing. It brought tears to my eyes. I wanted to bring it and play it for you. We tried to get permission, and we had got it from Franklin Graham, but we couldn't get it for the choir because we didn't know how to get in touch with them. They couldn't make it work. And so I, but Google it today, Ukrainian Easter Choir, and watch that young woman sing a solo and then the choir sing along with her. And in the midst of a war, they've learned the secret that the Apostle Paul was talking about. Even when I lose everything, 
Even when I lose where I live and what I drive, even when I lose what I have, even when I lose, I'm in a war. We might lose our lives, but we'll have the satisfaction and the peace and the joy of God. Satisfaction and a peace and a joy that only God can give. You see, you can have a lot of things and you can be distracted by those things. People, we talk about having a lot of toys. People have a lot of toys, and they play with their toys, and, you know, the weekend is a good time to do that. But you know what? If we're not careful, sometimes we can be distracted from the most important things. And if the, the Holy Spirit is speaking you, to you today, I just want to encourage you. Check your direction. Ask him what he would have you hear, where he would have you go, what he would have you do. And if it's, if it's something that maybe you intended to do a long time ago, but somehow you've lost your way, then I just want to encourage you to move in a new direction. We said last week that, that Jesus never said, if you do this, this, and this, then everything will be fixed. Because we can't be fixed. Toasters, little ovens, and computers, you can fix those things. They'll be like new. Jesus never said, I'll fix you. He said, I want you to go in a different direction. Things aren't working out. Go in a different direction. If you go in a different direction, I promise you, you'll end up at the right destination. And so that's what he's nudging us to do today. Maybe change directions. Go the right way so that we reach our destination. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for these words in your word. Lord, even the wisest man who ever lived didn't follow his own advice. Lord, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. We're fallen people, but you pick us up. We're lost, but you find us. And so today, Lord, we pray that we would be headed in the right direction. It's not too late because we're here. It's not too late to change directions. It's not too late to make a U-turn. Today, Lord, I pray that anyone that you're speaking to will not just intend they're thinking to themselves, this week I'm, I'm going to do things different. I intend to make some changes. But Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength and the power and the ability and the opportunity to make good on those intentions. I pray that they would head in a new direction and they would reach the one and only destination that you have for them. I pray in your son's name and all God's children said,